Please be seated. Hear again these words from the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Advent is often a time we think about waiting, we think about hope and longing, and the promise of new day. Uh, our Advent candle reminded us that this is Gaudete Sunday, which means rejoice. But I think our text from Isaiah prompts us to ask another question, a more challenging question. What about the brokenhearted? What is Christmas like for the brokenhearted? Think of it as a multiple choice question. Well, A, they give themselves to sewing together angel wings for the pageant. B, they sit stiffly in their, in their pews, biting the inside of their cheeks. C, they come to church and want so badly someone to ask how they are doing. D, they weep as the candlelight is passed, or they sing silent night and wish they could have a night where all is calm and all is bright. Unless we have lived through December heartbroken, it may not cross our minds how hard the lead-up to Christmas can feel for people in the midst of loss, disappointment, or hopelessness. To people trying to keep afloat in the lake of loneliness. It doesn't have to be death, either. It can be an imprisonment that looks like a dead-end job or an undiagnosable illness. The unyielding cultural frivolity, on the other hand, cannot be avoided. It decorates our grocery stores, ornaments our coffee shops, and lights up our malls. If Christmas was a law, the first commandment would be unequivocal. Be jolly. Even in places where Advent is strictly observed and carols are held back for Christmas Eve, the background preparations for Christmas must take place. We organize ourselves to provide hats and mittens to underprivileged children in the community and food for the hungry and warmth for the cold. We schedule rehearsals of cantatas and plays and concerts and pageants and parties in order to make a good and fitting offering of our gifts. We check the supply of Christmas Eve candles and circulate order forms for Christmas poinsettias. But what about the brokenhearted? I want us to think about that in church this morning. Something of what the Grinch calls noise, noise, noise takes over, and it's not just in Who Town, but in every town. We move through December juggling Christmas events, TV specials, new and old recipes, long car rides, and commercial assurances that everything will fall into place if you give or receive that perfect diamond ring to your best friend. It was funny, when I said that at the 8 a.m. service, I saw like three elbows poke. <laughs> you would have to be a hermit not to hear about Christmas and a robot not to have some sort of feelings about the season. And it's into this world that our text from Isaiah is dropped. And what a gift it is to those who are broken and grieving. You'll notice that the Messiah does not come to high-five the happy snap pics with the perfect families, if those even exist, or even argue about whether his name is kept in Christmas or not. 
as a cultural event, Isaiah doesn't seem to think the Messiah will have much opinion about his holiday. He has something more important in mind. Like a spotlight roaming in the night, he will seek out the widow. He will comfort the lost and take to his knees with the oppressed. Mark this. The prophet promises release, liberty, comfort, rebuilding, binding up of the brokenhearted, and restoration of what has been lost. This is the supremely good news of Christmas. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our hearts by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight, as the carol puts it. Not long ago, people discovered a lengthy correspondence between Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his fiancée, Maria von Wedmeyer. I know you know Bonhoeffer, as I quote him uh, about every third sermon. The Nazis had imprisoned him for plotting with members of the German resistance, and he was assassinated um, a few days or a few years into his prison sentence. Not long before that, on a day like this one, a few days before Christmas, the prisoner Bonhoeffer wrote to his fiancée, Dearest Maria, let us celebrate Christmas. Don't entertain any awful imaginings of me and my cell, but remember that Christ, too, frequents prisons, and that he will not pass me by. Christ, too, frequents prisons, and he will not pass me by. That's the confidence of Christmas. And in some ways, we as Christians are trying to catch up with our Lord, who is visiting prisons of all kinds. Friends, the challenge for us this week is to look around for who is not among us, who is over-functioning, or, or who is simply too still or too quiet. Let's look for those this week who feel passed by. It may have been us in Advent's past, and who knows, it may be us next year. This Christmas present, let's live out the good news in some small, concrete way. Let's take the time this week to wonder how other people are feeling and offer them the oil of gladness as the prophet spoke of, the phone call of compassion, the mantle of praise, or the mocha of mercy. The good news that the promised one is among us, mending hearts and opening futures, born among the brokenhearted. May those who sow in tears, says the psalmist, reap with shouts of joy. Share that good news with someone. Be that good news for someone. Christ is born in prisons. Christ is born in kitchens and under overpasses. Christ is born in college dorms and on therapist couches. Share the good news to the brokenhearted this Christmas that Christ will not pass you by. Share it with the disappointed and share it with the despairing. And don't forget to share it with yourself, too. Amen.